Starships riding fire across the sky. Heroes and villains exchanging laser fire. Desperate spacers struggling against an alien monstrosity. Cepheus Deluxe is a set of rules for playing classic science fiction games. You can find it on DriveThruRPG from Stalegma Publishing. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Loga the Barbarian. And today, Levi from Planet X Games has joined us. How are you? Hey, everybody. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I don't think they can respond. <laughs> no, no, probably not. Probably not. Uh, so right now you've got, we, we discussed the phylactery here before on our podcast. We actually reviewed some, I think the first issue. I don't know if we reviewed the second issue. We've been trying to get to the other ones because sure, sure. we're kind of behind, but there's a fourth and more. Yeah, so um, I'm doing the dropping the fourth issue of the phylactery, which is, you know, in essence, the phylactery is it's an old school Renaissance OSR heavy book, you know, that's 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 the system. And it's a plug and play. I mean, so you can take everything in there and apply it right to your game. We want you to, to, to take what you want, get what you can get out of it, and then just ditch the rest. Um, so every issue is going to have stuff like uh, it's gonna have NPCs, monsters, uh, cool locations, new magic items, new relics and artifacts, um, and then an, an entire adventure also in, in, in every issue. So the, the, the fourth issue is just more of that. Am I hearing correctly? Is there going to be a larger compilation of all four? Yeah, so the Phylactery Omnibus, which is running concurrently with Phylactery 4, it contains the first four issues, but then about 50 pages or more, uh, depending on how layout goes, of, uh, of extra material. And I mean, the stuff that we've packed into that extra material is just, it's, it could be a, an entire zine on its own. Um, like I said, 50 plus pages. Uh, in, in fact, one of those, just, just one, one of the, the hex crawls that we have in that 50 pages, that could be a, a whole zine of its own. So yeah, it's, it's just a, a big, fat 250 page plus book, hardbound, uh, really, really nice. We've got a sketchbook in the back, interviews with some of the creators, um, a cover gallery, just, you know, all kinds of little extras. We're really just kind of doing our best to make, um, kind of following the Dark Horse comics modeling. And, and when we say omnibus, when we say, you know, collected edition, we want you to get everything, you know, it's, it's all in there. You know, there's, we're not leaving anything out, man. It's, it's jam packed full. I, I'm excited about it, to be honest. I'm really excited about the omnibus, even more so than the fourth issue. Getting that, I like those. And this is going to be like A5 size, am I correct? Yes, yes. I'm excited because I've got my little shelf where I've got my A5 size and I got a few of these. Like I got the back to basics yep. compilation that was 10 and I've got a few. I got Nate Trames one that just came out and a few others that sit up there. I'm real excited to put this on the shelf with them. I was like, oh, this is great. I, I have both of those as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, that back to basics by, by Tom Wilson, uh, Tom's oh, buddy of mine. Uh, and he, that was really kind of the, when I saw what he did there and thought, oh man, this is so nice. It looks so good. Um, I was literally just on, um, on Facebook messenger asking him, Hey, asking him questions about how like, <laughs> the, some of the things that he did in there about that. So yeah, you're right. You're right on brand when you, when you bring up those two books. Yeah. Those are, those are pretty books and they look great in my shop. They got great stuff. They're great. Readers. That back to basics cover is beautiful. I love it. It's just in. I don't think I've read through a game book 
like I have with that back to basics in a long time where I'm just like paged. It was just really a good read across the board. <laughs> yeah. That, that cover uh, by Matt Ray is, is killer. Um, I've, I've worked with Matt uh, before he's, he's done a couple pieces um, and I'm a huge fan of his. I, I wish, I wish I could get him, get him uh, more, but he's just, he's so busy. You know, he does stuff for Jeff Slaney and he, he like I said, he does stuff for, um, uh, for Tom. So, um, and then just everybody, you know, just a ton of work, but, um, I'm a huge fan of, of Matt's and that cover just is killer. That back to basic. Yeah. That back to basis covers are amazing. That, the, that Nate Treme book that came, I haven't had a chance to talk about that one on the show yet, or like review it or anything. Cause we've been so busy with everything else. We do a daily show. I can't keep up with everything that's coming out, <laughs> <laughs> but that thing's beautiful too. That uh, the design in that book is like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's very cutting edge. It's pretty. It's a pretty book. Yeah, I, I like his stuff anyways. I, I bought a bunch of his stuff in the past and have corresponded with him. He, he actually sent me um, a couple of years ago. He sent me some uh, pamphlet modules, just you know the normal, you know the normal little pamphlet module. And those are actually in the, his compilation book. And I I find him to be super creative, uh, super interesting. Um, his Twitter is, is, is if you're on Twitter, you know, is, is, one, that you got, is one that you have to follow because he's like I said, he's a very interesting guy and he writes adventures that don't feel or play like anybody else's adventures. Um, you know, so every now and then you get a, a writer or a creator like that. So I, I he's pretty high up in my um yeah, I, I, in my esteem. I, I really uh, I think a lot of, of him and his work. Yeah. And you've got you got quite a few things out there besides the phylactery as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Planet X Games has put out. I, I'm not even sure where to start, but quite a few modules. And the, the one that I think I'm uh, that that I'm waiting that I'm waiting on that I backed was the Ray Guns and Robots. Isn't that what it was called? Yeah, Ray Guns and Robots. <laughs> that uh, yeah, the the the, the, P, the PDF on that is coming out here in just a couple of days. Actually, when I get off of uh, this call with you, I'm, I'm uh, finalizing everything with uh, the graphic designer. We're going over it one last time just to make sure everything's tight. But yeah, that that hits the printer uh, tomorrow if everything is good. And then, um, you know, backers should have it within within a month, you know, so. Now it's, I'm going to ask you a question. Like you have a unique style, I feel, to a lot of this stuff you put out. I wouldn't say it's just classic fantasy you definitely throw some different things out there. You have a way. <laughs> I know that you've called it Grindhouse before. I've seen Grindhouse sure. used before. Uh, well, how would you describe some of what you're doing for those of our listeners who haven't checked out some of your stuff yet and may be interested in, in seeing some of it? Well, you have traditional fantasy and high fantasy books, but my stuff is more kind of weird fantasy. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's appendix in because it's, it's not, but it definitely has some, some roots in the old appendix and stuff. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, Robert E. Howard, Clark, Clark Ashton Smith, H.P. <laughs> uh, Lovecraft, you know, so I, I really like those strange and weird elements, but I'm also like a monster kid from the eighties. You know, I've, <laughs> I've read, read Fangoria and Ghost Rider and, you know, I, I was way, you know, way into monster comics and stuff. So, you know, you couple that with uh, a, a a crippling addiction to B movies and grindhouse films. And, um, you know, these strange little, little movies that got made in the 60s, 70s and early eighties up to about 85. Um, you kind of throw that all together in a, in a, a tumbler and, and you get this, uh, you, you get kind of what we do at planet X. So, so I, I've owned so many stinking websites over the years, but I used to like in the early 2000s, I owned grindhouse.com and I attempted oh, yeah. to put a, a Wikipedia page up there. 
And around the time that old, what's his name? Uh, Tarantino did that Grindhouse movie. Oh, I yeah. suddenly got like a really bad um, troll problem from people angry yeah. at me for using <laughs> the name Grindhouse. Like, I, it was weird. They were like, it was strange. So every time I hear the Grindhouse term, I go back to that. No, listen, you know, uh, the term grindhouse, I mean, obviously, for anybody who follows movies, it, it uh, refers to these kind of low rent, really kind of crappy theaters um, around the country, but all but, but kind of really in the, the uh, northeast was where, you know, the, the famous ones were, at least uh, where you could go and you could pay, you know, a, a dollar, two dollars, and you could just sit and see movies all day. And they were all these movies that were um, maybe not ready for for the big you know for the for, for the big <laughs> you know uh, a, lot, a lot of horror movies a lot of exploitation movies and then subgenres in each one of those you know like you might have an exploitation movie like um thriller a cruel picture but then you'll have like exploitation, where it's like miss 45 where it's like a nun <laughs> getting 45. revenge or then like like exploitation, where it's you know rednecks and and uh hillbillies you know uh doing terrible things to campers you know uh and it just goes out from there. Yeah. I, I, I was, I had a real, like, so my, like my mother was the one who introduced me to uh, like Van Peebles and people like that. Oh yeah. And a lot of that stuff was my parents and my parents are extremely like puritanical Baptist, but oh, wow. they were like, they were into like weird, bizarre B-flick stuff. And that's where I got the exposure to it from. I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, Puritanical Baptists, you know, what, yeah, what, what they're, you know, watching the Mac or, you know, <laughs> watching like, uh, you know, Petey Wheatstraw or something. And, well, and the, the, movie, the movie that I got exposed, my, my mom watched with my mom was that old film he did, Watermelon Man. Mm -hmm. If you remember, that was an interesting I've movie. Never I've it's never seen it, but I've, I've heard of it. Very politically charged film. Sure. And it was, yeah, but she used to watch all, like she turned me on to the old Hammer stuff and all that stuff. So I just kind of drifted into that B-Flick stuff growing up <laughs> and my buddies and all, Red Fangora. Hammer Horror is great because, um, you know, those that whole genre was dying out. You know, the, the Frankenstein, Wolfman, oh, yeah. uh, Dragon, all that stuff was dying out. And then Hammer comes along and says... All right, we're going to recast everybody. We're going to get you know Christopher Lee and uh, Peter Cushing and all these guys. And it took you know they just breathed new life into the horror genre with those. I love Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee like nobody's business. They are some sure. of my all-time favorites when it comes to horror. Like when I first discovered the Ravenloft box set, and my buddy ran that for the first time. Like my whole time in my mind, I'm picturing those old Hammer horror flicks, like with with the spoke through Dracula's chest and everything that every oh, time we yeah. played that, that's where my mind went. It was a hammer horror flick in my mind. <laughs> well, that's super appropriate, you know, because, you know, even though they, those films were very, very bloody for their time, they also had a really heavy underpinning of the, uh, the Gothic feel to them. So that, which fits in perfectly with Ravenloft. I wouldn't be surprised if the creators of Ravenloft, if they were also hammer horror films, not just the old universal stuff, but if oh, they yeah. also had a, had a big influence, uh, from those films yeah that stuff I, I, I was yeah i definitely got that stuff and 
I kind of appreciate that. And I've noticed that the flattery kind of that leaning into some of that B flick stuff here and there and references to it. And I thought that was kind of cool. And I definitely noticed a comic reference on the cover of issue number three of the flattery. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what issue of X-Men that was off the top of my head, but there's an old X-Men. I think it was days of future past. Wasn't it? Yeah, Uncanny X-Men, uh, Uncanny X-Men 142, Days of Future Past, um, which is actually the most copied and homaged comic book cover uh, ever. That's the one that has the, the title for the most copied and homaged. It's yeah. got all, all the wanted posters on the back, on the background and all. So are you a comic geek as well? <laughs> oh, yes. From day one, of course. <laughs> Yeah, that was probably like one of my big, my two biggest influences in gaming were science fiction and, and superheroes at first. And we played like I think I, I mentioned before, I played superheroes unlimited because we were since the early 80s. I was just taking in as many Marvel comics as I could. Oh, yeah, fa- facts. Was- yeah. <laughs> same, same. Yeah, we were we were we were champions in my in, in my little uh, small Ar- Arkansas town. We, we, we played champions. I never picked up. See, my buddy got into Robotech first and then he brought in the Heroes Unlimited back in like the late 80s. We were getting into stuff. And that's how I kind of stumbled into playing Palladium superhero game. I probably would have done champions had someone brought that to me first, but we just, that's how we started. We tried every game we could get our hands on though. Back in the nineties, it was like just a cornucopia of everything from James Bond to the Marvel role-playing game. Do you name it? It was mid to uh, late eighties for us. And, um, you know, I, I came into, to, Dungeons and Dragons and RPGs in kind of a, a kind of a backdoor into it. That's a long story. I won't get into it now. But uh, so D and D was the only game for us for a long time. And then we actually a guy from Ohio. He moved from Dayton. He moved down, oh. and he had all these game champions and you know, <laughs> fantasy hero and Moro project and chill and Call of Cthulhu. All these games that we had never heard of except seeing advertisements for them in the random dragon magazine that someone would manage to find we would see an advertisement for it oh i wonder what that game is like well this guy shows up and he has all these games so we just spend years just cycling through all these crazy games and uh you know that's that, that's my rpg and dna right there yeah i mean well getting games back then was totally different than it is now too like i had to go to the to like seek out things at a physical game store half the time he asked for something they didn't know what it was if it wasn't like right he's like oh it was like they didn't necessarily know it stumbling upon stuff like I, I would buy our games at the hobby store that sold the little rockets and models and stuff which you don't really find those in those kinds of hobby stores in this day and age but I was picking a lot of them up back then at places like that. Oh, for you know, for me, I like I said, I grew up in a very small town in Arkansas, a population of about five thousand. <laughs> uh, I went to a, the small school. There were two schools. I went to the smaller one, and uh, like you know, so small, I graduated with seventeen people. Oh, wow. that was my entire graduating <laughs> class. But uh, you know, we didn't have a game store. I didn't. I didn't actually go to a game store until my senior year in this. Just God bless her. This lady opened up. She was kind of a hippie lady. She moved to our town with her husband and kids and uh, decided she was going to open up a kind of like a, I don't know, kind of a hippie bookstore. And she had no idea like that. Like we had come through the satanic panic in this little small town (laughs) and that like nobody was going to let their kids play Dungeons and Dragons. But 
again, I had the small group, you know, the, where, where the dad had, he had, he had been in the army and moved around a lot. So he, you know, I was playing with, with, with these kids and, uh, this, we, we asked this lady if she would order Dungeons and Dragons stuff for us. And God bless her. She did. She got, she found some vendor that would send her stuff all the way down to Mena, Arkansas, you know, you know like, <laughs> very small town. And we just, we, we were placing orders weekly. You know, we were mowing lawns and, and <laughs> taking those, taking those fast food paychecks and just uh, spending all of our money on, on every bit of, of, of gaming stuff we could get, you know? Oh yeah. So, Oh, I get it. I was, I was got my my comics and my games was mowing lawn money. I grew up in Cleveland, so it was the opposite. It was a big city, and I could wander around. There was like weird stores throughout the town. That sure. some of them had game stuff, but the money it was like I'd mow lawns for three bucks a pop. <laughs> oh yeah, it made me all save up. And it's like one lady would give me seven bucks to trim her bushes and to mow the lawn. I'd get excited about that. Like three dollars to save it up. It don't sound like a lot now, but back then it seemed like a lot. Of course, that was 30 some yeah. years ago. <laughs> I mean, you know, three dollars that was probably almost four comic books. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it was. You it know? was quite a few comics. You really was, make it stretch, you know? Yeah, I got I'd get at least three or four comics out of it, and I'd go to the quarter bins too a lot, and they would give me, you know, 12 comics out of that for the oh, quarter yeah. bins. I'm like, heck yeah, I've got tons of comics. <laughs> so, yeah, the only the only place to get comics in my, my little small town was uh, there was a, uh, like a little grocery store that had a spinner rack. Oh, yeah. It was so, so sporadic. I think we were getting the garbage from everywhere else that they didn't want. <laughs> oh, they were no. bringing it. To so every now and then we get something cool. Uh, but then Walmart, actually, we had a Walmart in our, our town. Uh, there was a, one of the guys who worked there was a comic book fan, and he finally convinced his boss to start stocking comics. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, there was they were the only people in town that had comics. So uh, we ended up that that ended up being, you know, you show up every Wednesday. Uh, I think we, we may have even been Thursday back then, but we would um, show up, you know, just just waiting for them to stock the comics and try to try, try to get the, the choice ones before uh, they, they disappeared off the shelf. But the spinner racks are, pre- I think that's pretty much vanished. I don't, I haven't seen one of those in eons at the front of no. a grocery store. No. They're uh, gone, long store. gone. I miss that world. <laughs> I used to spend so many, like, mom was trying to check out for the grocery, and I'd be over there drooling over the comic books. I oh, miss yeah. that world. <laughs> same, same. Well, I, well, I was lucky where we grew up. We had, uh, I lived three houses by the library and they would get every single, every week, they'd get all new like comic books from DC and Marvel. And I could just go walk into the library. I didn't have to pay for them. I could just pick them up and read them off the road. Oh, that's there. amazing. Oh, it, it worked out really well. I got to read a lot of comics. I had to buy them. So then I'd wait till they came to the quarter bin and went and pick them up at the <laughs> quarter bin sure. later on. Worked out well. Got to keep up with a lot of stuff. So, anyways, back to games. <laughs> we all we get all over the board. I I think it's okay to ramble on this show because I feel that things are intertwined, and and I think people find it interesting sometimes the different things the way they get into because most people that are into this stuff are into more than one thing, you know. Yeah, I think you get that safe to safe to assume. Yeah. So you've got the phylactery coming out, and you have. Pretty soon, the ray guns and robots. Am I am I saying that right? It's ray guns and robots. I backed it. I should know. It's ray guns and robots. And robots. Yeah, robots. You know, <laughs> just like when you see a killer robot, you know he the doesn't robots. say, "Yeah, robot, robot." You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's listen. It's, it's it's pulp sci-fi. It's atomic show. sci-fi. It's very much in the vein of Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, and um sky captain in the world of tomorrow but it does definitely has the same feel that um 
the rest of, of, of our stuff does. And that's that, that grindhouse B movie feel. So there's a, a heavy leaning into, um, I, I, I don't like the word gonzo because I, I, I think uh, that has some negative connotations that uh, don't accurately describe what we do. Um, but there's definitely a, uh, a B movie feel to it, you know, almost a, not a sense of ridiculousness, but you know, there is definitely a wink and a nudge at the, at, at the reader for sure. No, I love that stuff. Like I, I grew up on that kind of stuff. I, I think I recently told somebody else. I remember when I first discovered mystery science three or 3000, I was a little offended that they were laughing at some of these movies. I, was into. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I took it a little too seriously as a kid. And had a hard time finding the humor in it because I thought that stuff was cool, <laughs> you know. Well, th- well, the thing is, is that it is cool. You know, you, we 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 laugh. I mean, I, I, listen, they they tore uh, that movie Robot Monster apart, but but it deserves to be torn apart. It is <laughs> ridiculous, but in, in, in even though it's ridiculous, it's also cool. What's cooler than this? You know, you've got a giant gorilla running around with the with a diving helmet on and the 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 makeup guy has put two antenna on top of the diving helmet so all of a sudden you have an, an immortal mind reading telepathic blasting gorilla that is terrorizing <laughs> you know this this group of people on a on a planet which is clearly some back lot in uh you know southern california <laughs> <laughs> there's some of those like like I, yeah i love this i love that stuff growing up one of my all-time favorites isn't even i wouldn't even say is in that vein but i don't know maybe it is one of my all-time like top three movies I constantly was the original Fly with Vincent oh, yeah. Price. Oh, oh, poor Philippe, poor Philippe, and all that. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that movie. And when he'd write on the chalkboard that I love you. And, oh, yeah. And then if you watch Return of the Fly, they go back down there, and there it is in the chalkboard, the I love you, where he ran the chalk across. <laughs> I'm like, yes, there it is. I yeah, man. That no, that, that that listen, that all that stuff's great. Um for me, it wasn't The Fly or Return of the Fly. It was this movie called The Tingler. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of those old William Castle movies. Um, that, that was uh, that that wasn't that was the one with. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was uh, oh, what's his name? Not not the Hammer guy, but the uh, but um, the one that used ah, his name's the tip of my tongue. He used to do the mystery theater on PBS. Vincent Price, wasn't it? Yeah. Vincent yes, Price. Right? There we go. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, one of the first horror movies that had color in it. So they had, like there were there was a, a bathtub full of blood and a, yes. a creepy hand coming out of it and it, you know it was uh, it was bright red in comparison to everything. But the guy who made that movie was a, a guy named William Castle and he was always known for his gimmicks in movies. So every one of the movies he would do, he would do like a crazy gimmick in the theater. So um, for instance, for the haunting, of, I think it's the Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Um, he uh, he would have this the skeleton like at the pivotal moment in the movie this uh, skeleton would swoop over the crowd you know <laughs> uh, and then for the tingler he had he had a um, he had a little um, device that was installed in some of the chairs in the theater that at this very pivotal moment they would knock the lights out in the theater and then this device would vibrate the chair. <laughs> So, uh, and the whole thing was, you know, the Vincent Price is going, scream, scream. It's the only way to drive the creature away. You must scream. So the whole audience is screaming. The lights are out. The chairs are vibrating. And, you know, that brought him that extra, you know, level of promo and success that he was looking for. Well, that that one that he did, that was him that it was called, was it the Hill House one that you mentioned? That was the Vincent Price one where the skeleton ended up being the spoilers, skeleton down in the basement. Yeah, is that yeah, the, yeah. yeah. 
I remember that one well. And then they remade it, and it was like totally different. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the remake was yeah. nothing like the original. It's like, huh? Oh, yeah, that's slightly different. Well, pop polished Hollywood will ruin everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I, I I do like I do like a a, a brand new, well done movie. But when I was growing up, I was addicted to those B flicks like nobody's business. It is what. It is. Yeah, I mean, it, it was everything from uh, you know those those. They would show uh, TBS would show Godzilla on a oh, on yeah. a Sunday. You know they'd have like three Godzilla flicks in a row when they didn't have anything else to play. You know, and then uh, you know you'd see horror movies, but they were kind of like you know milk toast horror movies, like like the Tingler. You know, <laughs> yeah. Tingler was not scary except for like two parts. Oh yeah, that's what I grew um, up on. And only scary if you're seven. You know, but then you know that that tradition gets picked up by um, like uh, USA. I don't remember if you remember the old USA Network. You know where they started they were like all right well fine we're gonna do like a whole horror weekend and we're gonna show like four friday the 13th movies back to back oh we're gonna do nightmare on elm street oh now we're gonna put on something like you know from beyond or reanimator or something so you would get all these crazy b movies and that's how i i absorbed all those it wasn't until later that uh joe bob briggs comes along with his bolo tie and it's like you know <laughs> he introduced me to you know diff- different stuff but um yeah, that's that's my entire DNA when it comes to you know my geekdom is deeply rooted in that kind of stuff. Well, we had uh, growing up in Cleveland, we had two different host shows. We had Super Host, who was who was kind of a pudgy guy with a clown nose but a Superman outfit. And nice. He would do daytime, so he would do the original Batman's and Planet of the Apes and some of the sci-fi stuff. And and when it came to horror, he usually did Hammer stuff. And then at night, you had the Big Chuck and Little John show, and they kind of got into more the gory, modern slasher flicks and stuff like that there. I'd probably be more likely to find Basket Case on Big Chuck and Little John than with Superhost. <laughs> I, I am. A, so that's one of my I, I, I get so stoked when I when somebody tells me about something like this, because <laughs> there's a there, there's a whole I don't, I don't know how you even say it, like a whole like subgenre of these crazy horror hosts from like the 50s all the way through like the early 90s Svengoolie's like, still doing it yeah, yeah i mean you got to stand out like <laughs> Svengoolie every now and then but you know you'd have like these uh you know these guys just you know in some mid-sized city just grinding away you know on on, on public access you know doing that they'd, they'd be in like a, a al lewis grandpa monster kind of get up and they'd be oh, you know yeah, just <laughs> just in, in, you know in, introducing you know spider baby or you know some kind of sort of you know cre- creepy grindhouse film you know or some black and white uh, uh flick from the you know uh mid 50s or something you know good stuff it's great stuff for game to be honest too i mean i i, I guarantee you tons of modules have ripped off monsters and nightmarish things from movies like that left and right Oh no! Listen, man, I I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as everybody else. I have a, a an adventure called um, "An Occurrence at Howling Crater," and it's uh it's basically the hills have eyes. Me plan nine <laughs> from outer space with a bunch of you know uh, atomic sci-fi stuff in there, and it, it's it's one of the one of the ones that I in the most fond of because it has all of those great uh, you know all of those uh b-movie influences but it's the one that like when i when i run it people really seem to enjoy it you know <laughs> you got the atomic age vampires coming in from outer space yeah. and a flying saucer there's poor johnson walking on yes, i like yeah. yeah i can appreciate that game i would i would get into i would probably get into running that i have a bad habit 
of running games with punchlines. <laughs> sure, sure. I hear you. And pulling cheesy, like we've been running some, uh, we were running some, uh, what's it? Survive this um, bloat games. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. Dark places and demogorgons. That's what it's yeah. called. Great and game. We, we had a fun, we've done quite a few uh, sessions of it. Usually has one shots, but now we seem to have a group of characters that follow through and, and we had a whole lot of fun. And at the end, you know, we had this whole possession thing. And by the end of it, and they ended up running into, uh, you know, exercising the demons that only just went out into the woods to extra to possess Bigfoot. <laughs> they didn't have to deal oh, with yeah. the possessed <laughs> Bigfoot by the end of it. I had yeah, Eric, uh, Eric Bloat could do no wrong in my book. That he not only is he a, a, a very nice human being, but he writes some very interesting uh, games, stuff that I quite enjoy. Oh yeah, I like his games; they're great. And and, and you know what? I, I like the system because it's something I'm used to. I can run with quick and I don't have to like, oh, how am I going to run? This? Like, oh, OK, this, I can do this. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy who clearly loves gaming and he clearly loves, uh, you know, designing cool shit. <laughs> so we're coming close to time. I'd like I'd like to ask you if you could tell our listeners where they can find you online and where they can back your upcoming project and everything else. Yeah, man. So you can get all, all of my past stuff at exalted funeral. If you just uh, go to exalted funeral, type in planet X games, boom, it, it all, it all pops back uh, right up. There's uh, I don't know, nine or 10 different uh, things on there, ranging from high level adventures to low level adventures to zines. I've got a, all, all sorts of different stuff on there and they're just a great group of folks to, to, to be intertwined with anyway. It's exalted funerals, aces in my book. You can find me on Facebook at planet X games, um, Instagram at it came from beyond planet X and then on Twitter at planet X games uh, co co on the end of that. But yeah, if you, if you just sneeze, you'll, you'll run into me online far as a flag before, like your omnibus which are running concurrently with each other that's going to launch on kickstarter on march 1st that'll run uh through march 22nd um and you know you can uh if you go and look for it right now you can go to any of the places i just mentioned you'll you'll find links for um links for the uh, sign up page just press that uh, notify me at launch button and um you know the more the more likes and the more uh more, more people who are uh, signed up for it the the better we can trick those algorithms. <laughs> There's likely by the time this airs, it'll already be live. We're, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so we're recording into, into March right now. So it'll probably be live right now. Either way, I'll make sure there's links in the show notes so y'all can just go there and follow that. We'll have links to all those above. As always, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Harold Crom. We started a Patreon. We could really use your support. Go visit us and back us. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards and keep those dice rolling.